welcome to Waking Up From Breaking Up, the podcast all about breakups with real experiences from ordinary and everyday people. My name is Ira J, and I'm your host. Today we talk with my my hometown best friend, Todd. Him and I have known each other for over 10 years. I don't know the exact date, (laughs) but I love Todd. Him and I have gone through ups and downs together and we have grown together for sure. And we've seen the worst in each other and we've seen the best in each other and we support each other through through it all. And so we talk about uh, our relationship with our parents and how that relationship has affected our friendships and adult romantic and platonic friendships and relationships. So it's very interesting. Um, for most of you that have been listening to my podcast, I'm very vocal and open that I didn't really have a father. My biological father left us for another woman when I was 11 years old. And it had taken a massive role in my life of feeling abandoned. And I have a hard time trusting people, especially men. And Jackson, my ex-fiance, um, taught me how to trust men and to not hold it against people of what my father did, right? And so, yeah, it's realizing that our parents are just human and that they are trying to figure out life on their own and trying to live their life. And they are not a superhero um, as much as we want to believe that they are. They are just navigating through their life as best they can. And that's what my father did. And Todd talks about his relationship with his parents, specifically his mother, and how it has affected his romantic relationships and his friendships as an adult as well. So, yeah, hope you guys enjoy. Stay at the end for the reflection section. Thank you so much. Uh, Breaking up with my 12-year-old self. 12-year-old self. Yes. (laughs) But you, you have broken up with your 12-year-old self. Like, what is it about being a 12-year-old that you brought into adulthood? Oh. Uh, well, it was the very acute trauma of my parents splitting up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Why do you call it acute? I call it acute because it was, relatively speaking, over a short period of time, my parents splitting up, like mm-hmm. three months, six months, whatever, relative to at least what I understand is um, more typical childhood trauma creating long-term effects that's like you know kind of from birth right your your parents just being who they are good bad middle whatever uh that prolonged um trauma is one word for it uh is much more um deeply inset but the interesting thing is for me when my parents split up at 12, what I understand in going through this process over the last couple of years uh, is that the trauma itself was bad, but it was the fact that my parents didn't take care of themselves and didn't kind of expose me to them moving on with their lives or not moving on with their lives and taking responsibility for it that really kind of set in that acute trauma. Mm. Both of my parents were fantastic parents, and I think that's a very important distinction to make. The whole idea of breaking up with my 12-year-old self is that it's never an absolute. It's understanding it, which is, is what this, this really was for me, 
And it's in an ongoing manner, continuing to kind of work through and just recognize, hey, you're being a 12-year-old again, literally. Now let's go through and fix it. So your parents broke up when you were 12? They, they broke up when I was 12, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so back to your question, my mother, mother the crap out of me. Uh, and then with that, there was a lot of control. So anything as simple as turning off a light switch or taking out the garbage, if I didn't do it, that would be met with a lecture uh, that if I didn't turn off the light switch, then she would not only have to tell me when you turn a light on, you have to turn it off. It would go into when you put something in the garbage and the garbage is full, take it out. When you take the cap off the orange juice, put the cap back on. So there was this very neurotic component to it. And what I've come to understand that actually from my first therapist is even though my mom wasn't trying to be that overbearing on me, right? This is just how she thinks. And that's, again, that key distinction between um, being a wonderful mother and um, as a human being, having her own difficulties. Uh, She took that as just her trying to exert control, regardless of me in some ways. Uh, But as a child, I would take that as I'm not good enough. I've done something wrong here. I'm always doing something wrong. I'm displeasing her. And all of those things... Um, I think in some ways created a, um, how do I put that? That kind of set the stage. So I was this child who had a great mother, but was overbearing. And, uh, when my dad left, um, I took on the responsibility of being her emotional caregiver while still being under that, you know, childlike relationship with her. So there was this duality, which I call care and control, um, which very much made its way through a lot of my relationships as an adult, um, more specifically relationships with women, and even more specifically romantic relationships. Because mm-hmm. I don't think you and I had that relationship. Uh in moments, yeah, absolutely. Mm. Um, I don't know if you remember this. Oh, this was probably last year sometime. You had just started dating somebody. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, he was older. Yes. Does. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, so again, you know, this, this stuff is also complex. Um, I remember you were telling me about the first couple dates and I, th- I think I admitted to you straight up. It's like, it's weird, but I feel jealous right now. And that, yeah, and there, there was that. nothing romantic. There was nothing mm-hmm. sexual about it. It was just this kind of loss of, you know, care and control. Uh, and we talked about it. I told you, you know, this, this isn't a big deal. This has nothing to do with us. But mm-hmm. well, it has nothing to do with us in, in our immediate, you know, in our actual relationship. But there is an aspect of that because I care so deeply about you. Mm-hmm. And I have that emotional investment, which I wouldn't trade for the world. That that is, you know, one of the consequences that comes of it when I'm potentially stressed out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's so, yeah, it's, it's when I when that first hit me. It was just one of the most mind-blowing moments I've ever experienced. And it's, it's like, you know, when the, the, the so-called near-death moment when your life flashes before your eyes. Uh, this was like 
almost like a life moment when my entire life just kind of unfolded before my eyes and I realized, wow, like not just you, but like half a dozen other deer, mostly female friends of mine. And they just start picking out all of these moments Mm -hmm. and realizing it. And it just, it was crazy. Absolutely crazy. You know, what's funny though. Like it it was like a big moment for you. Yeah. And it was a, it was interesting for me to hear as like a platonic male best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I wasn't even worried. Do you know what I mean? Like, okay. I, I didn't even worry about our friendship at all. I was more concerned for you, okay. but I knew you were going to get through it. You were going to figure out how you got triggered yeah. in that sense. And you understood, you understood it wasn't about you. It, I 100% so you understood could care. it wasn't. Yeah. I, I like, I knew our friendship wasn't going to skip a beat. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I was going to be there for you. Yeah. But I knew that it wasn't going to skip a beat it, in that sense. I knew you were going to figure it out. And I knew it had nothing really to do with me, you know. Yeah. Um, but we also, <laughs> giving it a little bit of context, we had hung, you came to visit me. Yeah. For what, two weeks? Something like that. Something like that. It was it was for, for a bit. Yeah. And uh, we had, a. I think it, it made our friendship stronger absolutely that that trip yeah i think we we got into really deep conversations and we had a lot of fun and we leaned on each other a lot a lot more than we had before right oh yeah yeah, because i was going through my minor concussion oh god yeah that that was honestly (laughs) one of the most platonic intimate moments ever but yes anyways back to the point (laughs) um it, it definitely yeah i I remember it being, I was like, okay. I was like, I think our friendship is not something I've ever worried about. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm going to lie. I just lied there. Okay. <laughs> um, when we first started together, working together, mm-hmm. and when we first met, um, there was points where I felt like... Um, you had to be liked by everyone. Okay. And especially the, fe- we, we worked in an office where it was mostly females. Yeah. And I wasn't jealous. We've, what, been friends for 10 years now? Around there, yeah. Yeah. 10 years ago, I was still kind of trying to figure myself out and coming into myself, right? Okay. And I was, I had a very fragile ego. Mm. And that's an, an, a good way of saying I was insecure. Okay. <laughs> and so I felt like, not betrayed. I felt a disloyal in your sense when I was not getting along with certain girls. Yeah. I know you always never want to choose sides. Yeah. But I felt like you were choosing sides because you weren't on my side. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but again, if that actually that situation would never happen now because my fra- my ego is not so fragile. I am no longer that arrogant because people I find people who are arrogant have a fragile ego, right. which is insecurity. Yeah. So anyways, and that, I think that's the only time I've ever felt. I, I, betrayal is a very strong word. It wasn't betrayal. I'm very hurt and jealous of, okay. of your relationship with the other platonic female friends. If, if you're talking about being in a certain state of mind, though, if you felt betrayed in that moment, I think that's, that's fair to own that. Hmm. Yeah, back then. Yeah, for it's, sure. Okay. Yeah. If I had this same mindset back then, absolutely not. That, that's the thing. Right, right. And, <laughs> yeah. and I mean, 
I, I almost feel like we need to take three steps back because we missed the story when you had those concussion is- issues. We were on a hike. Um, we This was like our second day of seeing each other after not seeing each other for so long. Mm-hmm. And you literally couldn't walk straight. Yeah. So I is like your fr- our friend held your backpack and I literally like from behind just kind of like cradled you slowly <laughs> to the car yeah. and you had to walk at a snail's pace. And I, I just remember in this moment that you're going to be okay and how amazingly intimate it was in like the most like platonic best friend way possible. <laughs> yeah. And it was, it was a weird thing to explore because again, you know, if we had fast forwarded back to that time to take the next step forward, um, I was absolutely a people pleaser and it was absolutely women. And that's completely ingrained in everything I just told you about my mother, because I want to care for women and I want them to care for me. And then it's when shit gets real that the anxious attachment and the dismissive avoidant comes out. So back then it absolutely would have been all of those things. Mm -hmm. And if you had actually said you felt betrayed then I would have been destroyed and I would have done everything in my power to make you happy. Mm-hmm. But then I also would have not been able to not go against the others. And, and I mean, that's, that's one of those expressions of that. And I've, I've done it before with, with other people as well. Um, and I look back on it and at first, definitely some shame, but now it's just like, what the fuck? You know, okay, you've done that. You've accepted it. And it's all about not doing it again. Mm-hmm. And to take our third step is exactly what you were saying about how our, our friendship was stronger after seeing each other. I, I think that was because we had both, we have both grown so much. Mm-hmm. And where some people grow and move apart, for us, it's been the opposite. And, mm-hmm. and that it just kind of us actually being able to see each other solidified all of that shit. Mm-hmm. It was so good. It's funny because back then, I didn't want to. I, if I had discussed feeling betrayed with you, mm. it would have come out very defensively yeah. and aggressively yeah. at the same yeah. time. And I, I would have crumpled like a wet piece of paper. <laughs> that doesn't crumple. No. Whatever. <laughs> it would have torn me up like a Kleenex at a snot party. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and the funny part is, um, Jackson... Um, okay, yep. <laughs> he was he was the one was like, don't bother. He's like, don't talk to him about it because you're just going to ruin your friendship. And, uh, okay. and I think it would have. I 100% think it would have. Okay. Because I had, I wouldn't say anger issues. Like I said, I was very insecure at that time. Yeah. And I didn't know how to communicate um, how I felt mm. in a very neutral way. Right. Like... Like we were talking about last year and how you felt jealous. You came at it. You communicated very neutrally. You weren't defensive. You weren't aggressive. But you wanted to communicate with me that you were going through something. Right? Yeah. How how is communication when you feel triggered around your mom? How is that? It ain't neutral. (laughs) Well, I shouldn't say that. It's it's really been a an up and down learning experience, uh, trying to figure that you know kind of the 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 source of it all, if you will. Mm-hmm. And in its bad moments, 
I clam up and I can't talk and I get very squirrely and I I want to run away and it it in I think in some ways the worst part is it lingers for a long time afterwards like even after we we take off like just one example um again not in a fantastic headspace to begin with but uh we're at dinner and instead of sitting straight forward she sits and basically starts leaning towards me and in that moment i just felt trapped and i didn't even realize it until like it was a second or third dinner after that we'll go for dinner like once a week and i only realized how much that her just shifting her body weight and me being in a somewhat compromised state and not recognizing it um was just emotionally crippling me uh and then when i finally realized it at first i physically had to move myself away and now if that comes up on occasion uh i j- just kind of like self check remind myself hey you're an independent man now uh and this is your mother and she's a human being and do you want to tell her to turn the other way do you want to walk away or when you realize that are you comfortable and for the most part i'm just comfortable with you know recognizing that and being okay with it mm-hmm. um i think the other thing we were just talking before we went on the air uh how my mother i can't or i have to be very careful and diplomatic when i talk to her about certain things mm-hmm. and to know when to uh assert myself might be a little bit of a strong word but you know set set that boundary and and times when i need to be a little bit more gentle and just kind of work through it myself talk about it afterwards with my dad or 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 someone else like you mm-hmm. so yeah that's that's i think the worst it's been um since this you know so called breakup Mm-hmm. um and and on a much brighter note um recently uh christmas time i was over there my brother's back so um the two of us would you know had our christmas eve and our christmas slumber parties and we're we're goofing around and in the morning i'm i'm packing all my stuff up and she starts doing her thing again and she's literally following me around Did you remember your toothbrush? Do you have your mm. uh suitcase? Do you want to bring the Kanishas home with you? And uh at first I was kind of humoring it, but then I could just feel myself getting distracted and and you know, that's what a lot of this comes down to is I can't think independently for myself because she's literally trying to do the thinking for me. Mm-hmm. Uh and in that moment I was, you know, hey mom can you just let me do this myself and yep yeah, sure no problem and i could just i can i can feel her become aware of it and to back off a little bit mm-hmm. but then i can also feel her still having that need to overbear basically mm-hmm. and and then on its more subtle uh on the more subtle differences between it if she's asking me you know do i want to take these tomatoes home that's a different thing than did you remember your toothbrush, toothbrush yeah. and that's and that's where i can like i was saying before know when to um set a boundary 
and be able to be gentle with it and to know when it's a little bit because it's important for me. But then there's the other moments where it's a little bit closer to home where she could be more sensitive to it and it's not as important. So um, not being aggressive or um, passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like some of your past romantic relationships have mirrored your mom a little bit or I don't know if mirrored is the right word I'm looking for kind of have aspects of the characteristics of your mom Let, you're asking if I've if I've tried to or inadvertently found yeah I actually don't think so no. I think it's the opposite which, I mean, in some ways is the same thing, right? Like you're tr trying to escape. I think uh, my friendships, I've sought my, mm, even that, no. I do have to admit, like, I felt like um, our friendship, I would say, took a back seat. Again, I'm, uh, location-wise, I'm approximately, like, how many provinces away mm. you know but i felt like our friendship took a back seat from your last serious relationship mm. mm -hmm. um i don't know if your other female friends felt the same way yep or your all your friends in general yep okay yep i, I mean th there's there's an extent to which some of that's going to happen mm -hmm. um but an extent i always expect a little bit you're factoring that in yeah, yeah for sure yeah. But this is, I thought it was beyond. Do you know what I mean? Totally fair. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, really, it was it was that relationship that uh, in a lot of ways was what pushed me into therapy in the first place. Mm. Like, I, I, you know, I had my first therapy session, even though work was the was the pretext for it uh, the week before we broke up. Mm -hmm. uh, was that a coincidence? Maybe a little bit. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, it was it's it was all part of that same path uh and the timing was just so beautifully serendipitous that i start therapy one week later break up and maybe two or three weeks after that is when the first wave of the pandemic hit mm. and to be living with my friends and instead of still being in that relationship was just ugh, i don't know i it's one of Tiny. those things so great not to think about what what could have been yeah. In, in that sense. Timing's impeccable. It, it Sometimes, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, I think, you know, you go back to that theme of, of prioritizing and care and control. And uh, when I'm with somebody who um, isn't good at communicating, like I wasn't in the relationship, um, all of those unhealthy tendencies are only going to get amplified. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like she she was just a hundred percent the priority. Mm -hmm. In past relationships, I was the same way. I another very very dear friend of mine, um, in the relationship before that, where I uh, I almost got married. Mm -hmm. um, first time I introduced the now ex to this friend, I was so excited for them to meet each other. And now I realize I, I was walking on eggshells because if anything went even remotely wrong between these two women I cared about so much, it was going to destroy me. And, it, and, I, I, and um, my ex became very, well, she, she was just by nature very possessive and jealous. Um, and it was a disaster. 
And yeah, I basically cut this friend out of my life for the entire time I was in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And it was a terrible thing to do. And um, I'm lucky that, that she came back afterwards. And I still remember the tears in her eyes when she told me how much it hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, w- I was almost oblivious to it after that kind of initial moment because I just, I just had to, I had to um, do what my, my ex wanted. Mm-hmm. And that was it. Do you think that's a part of like codependency? Yep. Yeah. And you think that stemmed from your relationship with your mother when you were 12? Yep. Holy shit. I mean, you think about, you know, I always like to put this in the context of human evolution and the way the mind works, or at least what we know of it. And my survival instinct was that my mother was the provider and her emotional well-being uh, in some ways was that equivalent of, of life and death. Right. That's that's what we learn. You know, what we got, we're mm-hmm. going to get gored by a woolly mammoth or get the plague. Um, you've got, you, you want to avoid the yeah, Right. <laughs> we're, we're not that far off these days. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I was completely dependent on my mother. And then when my dad left, I was not only more dependent on her. I mean, we can bring my dad into this, too, because he's got a massive role. Mm-hmm. Um that she she became not only the person that I had to continue to to rely on, um, but I now had this other role um, where I had to care for her emotions at the same time, and that's that duality um, is enough to fuck anyone up. Mm-hmm. And I, I think why I I would run into the art these are the arms of of these women who were. Um, and I, this, I wouldn't say this about all of them, but had had these at least these tendencies to be unstable. Mm. What was was exactly that it was just kind of seeking this escape from that. Um, so you kind of fixing in quotations, fixing the way you were trying to fix your mom. Not initially, mm-hmm. and that's that's what's interesting about it. I was running away from having to fix anything, mm. and these these women with these you know, unhealthy tendencies were incredibly attractive because I didn't have to worry about that shit. Mm. It was, it was freedom. And in some ways it was almost living vicariously through them. Like if they're crazy, well, I'm attracted to that because I don't want to be like that. So I was looking for the anti mom, but then once the relationship started up, then, and again, I'm oblivious to all of this stuff, right? You Mm got to keep that in mind that once that attraction happened, once the relationship started, then at some point there would be this flip and then I'd go right back to that. Um, and in that sense, yes, I would absolutely impress upon them with the same nature of the relationship I had with my mother. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, I, I, think, I think what's key to distinguish there is um, I would be attracted to women who weren't my mother, but then in the end I would still treat them like they were my mother. Mm-hmm. But I know... I know, I know that XX, the one you almost got married to. Yeah. I met her a few times, and I know what you were going through. I felt like um, what I witnessed, of course, I wasn't in your relationship, but what I witnessed is for sure you trying to... I saw that when you talk about how you were trying to... Um, be there for your mother mm. and 
I saw that happening with that ex. Um, and so I thought that the way you cared for m your mother mm -hmm. was the same way you cared for that ex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that's what I saw at least. Yeah. And we tend to do that as humans. We are attracted to what is familiar, right? Or we repeat what is habit. Habit patterns. we used to, yeah. Yeah. Like, I think I told you this. Like, I've been meeting the same guys um, for the past six years, especially the ones that I like that are not insecure, but are in the, looking for themselves and don't know what they're, they want. Um, and, and yeah, I'm going to say insecure <laughs> and okay. lack of self-awareness okay. and things that my father were Yeah. and arrogant. Some yeah. of them are very arrogant. Um, but my father was very arrogant. Again, arrogance is a fragile ego, which equals insecurity. Mm -hmm. And so I've been meeting the same guys over and over again. I mean, saying the people over and over in different bodies. I, I always wonder in the same way that I just described it, how much is it, are you meeting this, this, the exact same guy? And, and maybe this is where I'm reading into it a little differently than what you're saying, uh, versus are you meeting similar guys, but then repeating similar tendencies with them? No, I, I you know, that's funny you say that I've been changing once it hit me yeah <laughs> like a fucking rock yeah <laughs> i've been changing how i approach them okay and as and learning very i would say very slowly yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> um seeing the red flags Kay. immediately okay and you know i have to admit that i was very thankful that jackson saw and fell in love with my potential yeah but I worked my ass off to get to yeah, you did to, to that potential, and you and you try over and over and over again, and I still like there's I, always room I love room. it, I love <laughs> it because I mean, and, and in simplest sense, you have so much fun, and I, I love seeing that part, and and I, I'm sorry I'm kind of interrupting you, but That's okay. um, my <laughs> my observation for you is in the beginning, it's yeah, it, it's not even so much about seeing the red flags. And I'm being completely selfish when I say this, I know. Mm -hmm. um, it's it's after, it's, it is it is in that moment that when things start to go sideways, that's when I see um, your tendencies come out the most. Yeah, yeah, definitely. A hundred and ten percent. And then part of me, pushes people away as well. The confident guys that I meet, yeah. I tend to push them away or I friend zone them. So like Jackson believed in me. Mm. And so I will always be grateful for that because he guided me to a better self. He guided me to the woman that ended up breaking up with him because I knew I fell in love with my self-worth, mm. right? So when I start meet these guys and I see like, okay, they're still trying to find themselves. They're, they're kind of insecure. Mm -hmm. And like little things, for instance, a guy I was seeing, um, he put like little jabs of like jokes, but it's hurtful jokes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's enough truth to it. That kind yes. Of thing. Like, you know, and so I used to do that. Okay. And I used to do that because again, I was insecure. So Jackson 
when him and I first started dating, yeah. he knew himself. He's very, very confident. Yeah. And um, very humble. Yeah. And so I would little, give him little jabs. Why? Because it gave me a little sense of that we're equal. We're, we're you know what I mean? Okay. It, it would put him down, but it boosts my ego. And so I, I noticed that actually in yeah. a lot of. Even back then? No, I did not notice that okay. in myself back then. Okay. <laughs> no, I noticed that now. And when you're dating men. And so, but I let it happen. But I, but it clicks in. Yeah. And, it, but I don't, I don't ask why or I don't say anything. Again, that's an old pattern I used to say. Just like, let the man, um, Be- I let them do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So sorry. Now you're you're observing guys do this to you. Yes, do this to oh, me. Okay, okay. Yeah, and so it's like I don't end it. You know, mm-hmm. like my dad used to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I used to do it. You know, I see couples do it to each other. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and it's and people pass it off as a joke. Yeah. You know, and. But it, it it isn't. It's is that it's it's the insecurity in them and coming out. Yeah. You know, and and I now pick up on that and I now um either communicate that it hurts. Yeah. And please don't say that. Yeah. Or I just, you know what? I'm not into them that much. Right. That I just end it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? Yeah. And because I was like, I'm not gonna waste my time. Yeah. If you're still trying to figure yourself out, yeah. you know, it's it's not gonna work out. And so now, um, my old patterns, I'm changing. Yeah. I, and I just, I can't give someone the safety or um, the forgiveness Jackson did for me anymore. Because in the end, it hurts me. You know what I mean? And, and that's when my tendencies and my patterns come out, like you had said. Yeah. When it starts going sideways, yeah. that's and when I learned that when those tendencies um, come out, is because I don't feel like it's in a safe space for me to be vulnerable yeah. and to grow within that person. Yeah, and so that's when I'm learning to end things. Um, and yeah, and I learned from those from from his experience and seeing these two different men. Yeah, um, to to cut it off. At certain points. Yeah. Right? That, that's, that's so huge, huge to huge. hear you say that. Yeah. And I, I think... Took yeah, 37 like, years, but yeah, okay. <laughs> like I was saying, and it's not going to be over yet, no. but you're getting there. Yeah, I'm getting there. And, and I think what, part of what was so great about that is because that, that's exactly what I was just talking about, where it's more like the tail end of things. Like once things, you know, the hot and heavy, that's the great, that's the fun part. And in some ways, I don't know, who cares if you're still attracting similar types of people? Um, because in the end, it's how you deal with it. And it's that tricky, that tricky slope that so many people seem to struggle with, where what you're saying could be construed as super selfish. Because it's like, I don't want to be with that person because they have this tendency. And even though I was in a relationship where I was that kind of person fuck that right like who gives a shit about what that means if anything that's you learning and saying i don't want to be with somebody who used to be like me because i didn't like the way i treated other people uh or however you want to spin it it doesn't matter the point is you're thinking about now and making yourself better and in doing so 
you're being a better and for you, I, I think when you're saying that, you're not just talking about the relationships, right? You've doing you've been doing this with friends too. Yes. Which which yes. is every bit as good. Yeah. So yeah. then the ones that are sticking around, um, those are the ones that are worthwhile. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. I've been putting a lot of boundaries in my friendships. Yeah. And that has a lot to do with my past experience with friends. And I felt like I have to be there for everyone and I have to support them and give more when mm-hmm. they pull away mm-hmm. and um actually this christmas yeah that's 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 an important one yeah we're both dismissive avoidant and anxious attachment at the same time oh like crazy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and again that stems from my relationship with my father yeah um and um my experiences as as a teenager with friends this Christmas, I actually put a boundary with with somebody, mm-hmm. and and I said I'm going to step back, and I was communicating to them that I was going to step back rather than just ghosting them or removing them on Instagram yeah. or or whatever. Any number of passive aggressive <laughs> moves, <laughs> social media based moves. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. you know, like <laughs> I have definitely stemmed down. I have removed people of my Instagram, but yeah. like the ones that I considered close, yeah. that I love dearly as friends. Yeah. Um, I've communicated, or they've communicated to me, or they just removed me on Instagram. <laughs> but <laughs> thanks for doing the work for me. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but yeah, and it, it's funny because. We had text messages back and forth. Okay. And, and at the very last, my, my very last text message, I was so annoyed, you know? And I'm just like, hey, like, I'm just asking, I'm like, I'm just telling you in courtesy yeah. to communicate to you rather than just ghost you as a friend. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, I had to do the hard work and I had to face him yeah. and message him. Yeah. Number one, I felt better about it yeah. because I was communicating um, rather than ghosting, and I yeah. felt more mature. Yeah. And um, and and number two, I set a boundary, and I was like, and I felt better for myself. Yeah. And I hope that he's learned from the lesson. Yeah. As well. But it doesn't matter. He doesn't matter. Good. No. Uh, maybe you know, um, in the future, if we both have grown better people yeah that we could mend that friendship again but at this time it's best that we just separate you you feel good about what you did and whatever happens after that yeah it is what it is sure yeah 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 and um it's awesome yeah and uh, definitely it's not just romantic relationships yeah what we learn in childhood and and our old patterns can go into platonic friendships as well yeah right so i i love the way you toe the line between um, pushing and constantly working through expressing yourself and the issue with another person um, un- until it resolves itself one way or the other. Mm-hmm. That's that's one thing that I've I've struggled with. Um, it's partially a conflict, but it's also partially that anxious attachment thing, that fear of like, oh, if I say the wrong thing, they're going to leave me. But if they're being shitty in the first place, then, you know, why, why, why do these things matter? But that's that's my struggle. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I've, I've, I've always I've always appreciated that about you. Mm-hmm. I think you're also just inherently tenacious. Oh, right. Like there's there's <laughs> that that I, what I would consider like a healthy pride and drive for expression, mm-hmm. which is really nice. Yeah, it can, it can get sometimes. I think when 10 years ago, talk going turning back around to 
where I thought our friendship was going south. Yeah. Um, I, my tenaciousness and my ego, yeah, my fragile ego, yeah. combined was very volatile. <sighs> yes, good word. Yeah, yeah, definitely good word for that. One hundred percent. And I think that's one of those nice things that, as both of us grow, or, or anybody for that matter, you you get to realize, okay, just because there's these parts of me that may be shitty or display shitty tendencies um there's other parts that are still exactly who you are and that tenacity is just awesome (laughs) you just you're right like it just kind of like bubbles its way through everything you do in life (laughs) to be able to to recognize to let that to, to filter i guess in some ways right to let your the real the real you out and the other parts of you just kind of work their way to the side Mm -hmm. that's what it's all about what's your version of my tenaciousness I think that's something that I'm struggling with right now, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Uh, the The answer, I think, is uh, just an incredible amount of energy, not so much on the giggly side of things, maybe on the shits side <laughs> of things in some ways, shits and giggles, um, in that... I, I do kind of always want to be stirring the pot, not necessarily in a mischievous way. Um, Challenging. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Whether it's creative, whether it's um, adventurous, whether it's even like relaxing and reading a book. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, I'm at peace when I'm very active. And I, I think that that idea of expressing oneself and being able to do that freely, it's hugely important. That's the biggest thing for me. And um, I think it was last summer, actually around the time that I was coming to visit you, where um, I was really, really feeling that in a really good way. Uh, and where it is a struggle is shortly after that, I completely fell off a cliff. And it was in the end beautiful because I needed to fall off that cliff to be able to 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 be deep enough to know what really was going on with me right and that's when I had that amazing moment where my life was unfolding before my eyes and I've had one or two since then um but ultimately that I I think I still have a fear of that high letting myself be truly happy as I'm just describing to leap into that relationship uh work is another huge thing for me and, and to let myself just do what I enjoy and trust myself versus constantly be trying to take care of clients and my staff and that kind of stuff. That is still a very difficult thing where I can, um, you know, I can see all of the unhealthy things developing, but I still just give myself too much and, and restrain that two thing in two ways. And that's one, not expressing what I really want instead of think just thinking about everybody else. And number two, and I literally write this in my journal sometimes, like just do a self-check and say, hey, is there any reason not to be happy right now? What's stopping you from being happy? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I think I really will forget that sometimes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the, the, I've, I've been able to, you know, break up with or, or, or move on or understand these, these unhealthy 12-year-old tendencies 
and largely remove them or at least be able to kind of fix it that much faster when it does happen. Um, but right now, I think that far and away the biggest and the most exciting challenge is is just being able to kind of continue to let go and make leaps. And again, this is the thing that I, I love that I see you doing all the time, especially with your romantic stuff. It's just mm-hmm. like, just fucking dive in. Why not? Mm-hmm. And and don't be afraid to be vulnerable. And it's and it's in those moments, right? I mean, if you want to think about it, even in terms of like stupid functional psychoanalytical practice, um, the only way that you're going to figure that shit out is by getting into those moments again and again and again. Or God forbid you get it right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, how scary is that? Right? Oh no. <laughs> yeah. It is. It's fucking terrifying, yeah. but it's also beautiful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Great question. (laughs) (laughs) I think why I get it, like, I I love meeting new people. You know that. I I have an Uber driver's phone number and a taxi driver's (laughs) phone number. I meet people in random places. Yeah. And I just love getting to know people's stories. Yeah. But I think why I'm not afraid to go and, and see people and date and... And meet random people is because I'm not afraid to be rejected. I think people are so afraid of rejection. Have you always been like that, though? No, (laughs) I've not always been like that. Okay. But that had to... I've been working on that since my breakup with Jackson. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, Did I feel rejected by Jackson before I broke up with him? Absolutely. Okay. I felt very abandoned. Um, our relationship was falling apart and um, I was I felt like I was the only one doing anything about it he changed he was oh yeah you, you guys flipped in some ways oh in yeah somehow he taught me not to be uh, a doormat and to love my self-worth you know yeah I don't think he ever thought that it would be against him right you know right um, but he just did his job so well, you know, that, (laughs) you know, like he was just such a great person to be in a relationship with that. um, I think I've always had courage. I like, I saw my mom uh, raise three children on her own. Yeah. So I think I've always had the courage to be alone. Um, And so having the courage growing up and seeing my mother survive. And so knowing that I will survive um, and having the confidence to be able to step out of a relationship. I w- I'm not going to say my relationship with him was toxic yeah. because it wasn't. Yeah. Um, majority of it wasn't. But it definitely um, wasn't the right relationship for me anymore um, at the very end. Mm-hmm. So he taught me to love myself enough to be able to step away and walk away. But it takes a lot of courage to do that. Fuck yeah. Yeah. And so he taught me to recognize it. Mm -hmm. But the courage has always been in me. Well, in some ways, um, were you not kind of fighting him initially anyway? What do you mean? Like, didn't... I think you were describing this about some relationships more recently where when the guy is that kind of secure type um that you'll push them away yes in the beginning of our relationship yeah a hundred percent i would 
I would test him yeah. constantly. So, I mean, it sounds like you didn't even necessarily want to be or or couldn't be in the relationship. I didn't know how to be in the relationship in the beginning. So, so you, yeah. I, so I, I, I think in, in just in that moment, that fuels so much of what you're saying that you've always had the courage. It's mm-hmm. just how it expressed itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so now that I'm getting into these relationships, I've always had the courage and then in my mind, yeah. if it doesn't work out, yeah. I've always, I will always survive. Right. I'm curious to know how much your energy may have changed and how you've been presenting yourself over time. But I, I wonder if, if there's something on the side of you and your growth that, that's, that's given off something different. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm vibing. I want my Brad Pitt. <laughs> um no for for sure i feel it in myself you do okay Uh, yeah okay but don't you see it in yourself as well what your energy changing oh absolutely yeah and that's it like i i just want more of the positive stuff coming out now like energy wise, like I, I've been told by multiple people who are very close to me, um, very dear friend at work, uh, the woman that I'm seeing right now, um, that they've noticed how much um, they've used different words. Um, one was less angry, um, which I might need to give some thought because I don't know how much anger is a factor. Um, but it's possible. Uh, and the other one was just kind of like more calm, less anxious. Um, and, and yeah, so that's, I, I think to hear that from them, uh, about that character change, right? Huge step in the right direction. But then again, your question was such a good one. It's like, you know, how do you actually see yourself or, or who am I? Um, and it, that's, that's something that's, it's just, it needs to be explored. And, and I think a lot of that is just that question, like, you know, why not be happy right now? And, and I know for, you know, for me, that's, I recognize that that's a luxury, right? That's, that's not something that a lot of people can, like, it takes a fuckload of work mm-hmm. to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I'm, I'm so happy with myself and, again, having two absolutely incredible parents mm-hmm. um, has given me that power, right? To be able to sort through all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the adventure. <laughs> it is the adventure. And just to clarify, yeah. just because everyone has this, right? Everyone grows up with their parents and we have patterns that we learned as a child, like mm. you said, 12 year old, it doesn't mean they're bad people or bad parents. You, right. Yeah, you know, and and then I guess that's with exes as well, and and um, people we talk about that we've dated in the past or whatever, yeah. and it doesn't work out like your ex girlfriends and stuff, and the people I've dated in the past doesn't mean that just because they're insecure or still trying to find themselves and have fragile egos, it doesn't mean they're bad people. Right. A lot of them have become my friends because they have kind hearts. You're friends with my exes. <laughs> What? I could be. <laughs> no, you couldn't. 
Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> what decisions have I made in life? I would have been back then. I Look, I've been in three long-term relationships in my life. Mm-hmm. Every single one of those women have amazing things about them. Yes. And not one of them would I try dating again in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> would you be friends with them? No. <laughs> That's where we're so different. Yes. So different. I don't know what it is. Like, when I'm done, I'm done. <laughs> and I, I think in some ways I can be kind of a heartless bastard. Like... When I'm traveling, when I've been living like out outside of the city on my own, um, even while dating in a long-term relationship, I just for some reason, and it's as an anxious attachment, this seems even weirder. I just don't miss people. Oh, really? Yeah. Man, like sometimes, like when I became an architect. Yeah. First person I wanted. Well, not first. Obviously, it was my mom and my my family. Yeah. Um, but I think you were top five. Okay. <laughs> and uh jackson was in there too sure yeah, yeah yeah yeah. you know like and i know when he got his dream job yeah i was one or and when he graduated from his phd yeah you know he wanted to share with me too yeah i think i've learned to not focus on the negative and what i love you know i've only been in to be honest one serious relationship mm. my entire life fair enough yeah. and that was 13 years yeah, yeah. all right and Definitely within those 13 years, I felt like I dated a different person. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I dated probably your three ex-girlfriends in one person. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And he's probably, you know. Like, well, first and third, not the mill. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, I've dated, <laughs> you know, like what people have gone dating multiple people. Mm-hmm. I've dated one person. Mm-hmm. And we've gone through the ups and downs different but similar ups and downs as anyone who's dated multiple people and um and so i think what makes me different or what how i see the world and x is different is that i focus on what made us friends in a relationship Mm. right and i've said this multiple times nothing really changes Yes, he was a dick to me at the end. But that doesn't take away from the 12 amazing years that we Mm -hmm. had together. Mm -hmm. You know? And I think society makes it normalized that people focus on why you broke up. And not why you were friends and dating and having sex um, in the first place. I think the only thing that's changed after you break up is removing that sexual tension. And that sexual connection in chemistry. And to me, that was easy. <laughs> as soon as I I felt betrayed mm-hmm. or hurt mm-hmm. by the individual, it was a light switch. It was gone. But what I learned from him, still there. This is why I'm doing this podcast right now. This is why I have so many friends. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and I think it's how you break up as well. And how much respect you, you give each other when you break up and you end things, you know. I'm only friends with those people or those gentlemen that um, have treated me with respect afterwards. That I can communicate with without any um, resentment. Mm-hmm. And there's so much respect and admiration between all of us. And I think that's why we're 
so different in that sense. I, I think there's a lot of resentment in in a lot of your relationships that ended. Like, I'm surprised you're not friends with their very first serious relationship. Seems like you guys ended things in a very amicable, amicable way. Amicable, yeah. Amicable way. Yep. Mm-hmm. All three of those exes have stated that they've wanted to be friends with me. Mm-hmm. And I hold zero resentment towards any of them. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing I can respond to that with is um, I saw every one of those relationships as far as they could possibly go. Mm-hmm. And when they were done, I had nothing left in the tank. Mm. Maybe that's it. Romantically, sexually, whatever. And I think, you know, as you go forward in the 10, 15 years of my adulthood, if you could call it that, <laughs> is... Uh, I should have been 20 years, by the way. Whatever. Yeah, fuck, we are getting close to that. Um, where was I going with this? Um, I, I just, I just have so many friends that, um, I, I just don't, I, I don't know, not that I don't have the space, um, but yeah, you were a romantic relationship and obviously friendship is always a critical thing for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but if it's, if it's not working, then it's not going to work in any way, shape or form. Do you think you would have been friends with any of your exes if, if you guys actually weren't in a committed relationship? You know what's interesting? Um, no. Mm. Yeah, that's saying something. Mm-hmm. There's another little little nugget. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've dated in the past six years. Yeah. The ones that I still remain friends with. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um, I think would mesh well with my group of friends. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Like Jackson, the, yeah. 100%. Yeah. You know, you guys were like friends. <laughs> the, okay. Well, let's let's get into some specifics then. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one, uh, after I broke up with her, um, we saw each other again about a month later. Mm-hmm. And I felt guilty, but generally okay. And I, I was done. Mm-hmm. And she, after talking for about 10 minutes, started to cry in mm-hmm. the middle of a public place. Mm-hmm. And we went downstairs and we started talking and she tried to kiss me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, hey, what's going on? And she clearly wasn't over it. Mm-hmm. And I asked her what she was doing. She had some very close friends. Why aren't you hanging out with them? And she kind of hummed and hawed. I was like, and then as, as just as a joke to break some of the tension in the room, I was like, so who are you dating? And she's like, oh, it's actually this guy. And I was like, okay. So after three and a half years and you're still not over me, you've already started dating somebody. And in that moment, whatever guilt I had out the fucking window but it's not even a but. And I think that just kind of confirmed the fact that I, I, was, I was done in terms of the relationship. And then in terms of the friendship, um, we, did, we did hang out once or twice. We did go for dinner together. And it just seemed like every time something would come up about what I was doing in the world of romance, um, she would struggle with it. 
So I, I think, and again, I don't recall this being a conscious effort. It just faded from that. Mm. Um, the second one, I mean, you know how much of a disaster it was. She broke up with me and then it was, there was just nothing, there was too much damage done. There was nothing left. Mm. Um, so we both kind of interacted with each other like shells of human beings. Mm. And only then did I realize that I couldn't be a part of it. I had to walk away. The the right friendships will be effortless, right? And definitely Jackson, for sure, it took us some time. You know, we were together for 13 years. It mm. definitely took us some time for our friendship now to be effortless. Definitely, it's still taking you guys time. But when you say it should be effort, effortless, um, there's still going to be moments when there's strain no matter what. Oh, yeah. But it's it's how it's just like inside yourself to recognize here's that 12 year old boy that's coming up again to be able to talk to you about that to say, hey, I'm feeling jealous. And I had this with another friend in a very different kind of way. Um, female friend, female friend, where um, every once in a, every once in a while she's going through a tough time and she'll kind of take it out on me. And at first, I just felt hurt, uh, didn't even realize that she was doing it. Then I kind of became aware of it, and that kind of made me angry, and it kind of like built up. And then finally, semi-recently, I said, hey, um, you know, in this moment, I'm, I'm just frustrated right now, and I'm going to leave. And I, was, I had the strength to tell her we're going to be fine, um, but I, I'm not happy with the way I'm being treated right now, and I'm going to go. And for me, that's like, and again, this is very little to do with her, except I'll come back to how wonderful our friendship is. Um, and just being able to stand up for myself in that moment. And this this is somebody who I care so much about that I, I have been triggered by in, in a similar way that I might be in a romantic relationship with a woman. Um, and then she reacted so beautifully to it. And I woke up the next morning, she had tried calling me twice and sent me this wonderful text message, not only apologizing, but also kind of explaining, like, I'm going through stuff right now, not in I'm excusing it, but I'm owning up to what's happening in my life. Mm -hmm. And, and I'm sorry. And it was just, it, I mean, it was just such a, it simultaneously reinforced my standing up for myself in a very healthy way. And why she's such an incredible person and so thoughtful and caring and aware to me and as a human being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we talked about it afterwards and it was just, it was just this, this great moment. So that's one of those things that I look at where I've struggled so much in romantic relationships, um, standing up for myself at all. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I almost don't even want to get into it right now. Um, how incredibly childish it, I, I can become in, in those moments um, where, where I just completely give up any and all control and I basically will egg the woman on to get mad at me or to blame me for everything while blaming myself for everything just by me so by me taking all of the pain and all of the blame then everything will be okay 
that's that that's that's my extreme there um so to be able to do something like that with somebody um who i hold so dearly and therefore have that potential with um massive massive isn't that funny though you say that like you say that about your platonic female friend Mm -hmm. but wouldn't you want that exact like you would want that exact same thing in a partner yes right yes as as a friendship yeah add the sexual tension or the sexual chemistry into that that is like a perfect partner yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so this is what i'm saying is that um the people we date the people we find as partners or, or, and have a committed relationship with they should be those friends first or they should have that aspect of friendship first and then add that sexual chemistry to it yeah and it's like boom there's your partner you know what i mean and that's what i'm saying like a lot of the people i date yeah can be my friends yeah i you just remove that sexual chemistry and tension and they're just platonic see there's there's a there's a crux to this semi debate we're having in between everything <laughs> where i i think you're looking at this in terms of a friendship and the other person and I'm seeing it more as my relationship with myself, my relationship with my 12 year old self. Mm. And it is only in kind of conquering that um, and really learning to be comfortable in my own current shoes and really expressing that, that I'm going to find the person that's right for me. And, and I don't, and I think I don't, I'm going to test this out. I don't give a shit whether or not we can be friends um, because I want it all. And it's not like any of the women in my life right now are ones that I feel like it would be any different. Maybe that's another interesting way to come about it, that um, I very consciously and unconsciously cherish exactly what we have and whether or not i'm figuring myself out have haven't whatever in between um that doesn't change Mm. i don't know what that's doing to our conversation or our debate (laughs) but i'm throwing it out there anyway (laughs) um I guess this is a good place to kind of just end it, you know. I think I think being self-aware, understanding how your actions in how your how the way you grow grew up and and your patterns and your relationship with your parents um, are connected to your romantic relationships mm-hmm. um, and how you adjust and handle conflict uh, in life, at work especially in your personal relationships, it makes a huge difference, right? And being self-aware of that and understanding it and breaking those patterns. And um, I think that's really just the first few steps of growth. Yes. Yeah. And, and, and to sum all that up, it comes down to me. And it comes down to, to that individual. 12-year-old self. I mean, in some ways, it's almost symbolic, even though there's a lot of very real things to understand there. And it's to know that my mom is both a mother 
and also a human being. My dad is a father and a human being. Mm-hmm. You, my three exes, um, e- everyone else, that all of that has to be taken and understood in the context of me. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not holding myself accountable, um, but also being compassionate with myself and accepting the things that have happened in the past and, and letting them motivate me to move forward from it, um, then it doesn't matter what those, what those other people are mm-hmm. or have been. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Um, as a kid, you think our parents are invincible and then we see them as like, we put them in a pedestal. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. And then one day we just see them like, man, you're just human. I love you, mom. <laughs> well, that, 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 exactly. Like I, I still, and I, I'm so, um, I can list my parents' flaws left, right, and center, but it doesn't stop them from being amazing parents, parents yeah. and loving them as human beings. I, I think that's that's kind of, for me, I noticed our, my 30s, both me and, and everyone else, was like that kind of moment where you start to realize your parents are human beings. Yeah. And the better you can accept that, the better you're going to be at the same time. And yeah. And the faster your growth goes. Well, that's when your growth really to yeah. me, began, yeah. begins. A massive part to this to this breaking up with myself was how much my dad has grown, mm-hmm. and and how much he's kind of that next level down example of how much a parent or or somebody taking care of themselves has far reaching, very healthy consequences to everyone else in their life. Mm-hmm. The the things that that man has done for me. As a as a human being, not just as a parent, mm-hmm. in the last two years are are incredible, and a hundred percent to do with the fact that he started looking after himself and trying to figure out what's going on, mm-hmm. and and holding himself accountable for it at the same time. Mm. So, mm. yeah, everybody's got to hold herself accountable, even our superhero parents. Yeah, yeah, to all <laughs> you dads out there, and moms. It's okay to deal with your emotions <laughs> and oh, it's okay right. to show your feminine side. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, the better your kids, male or female, are going to be in the end. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, actually, <laughs> I said this a, a few weeks ago. I said that um, I love it when men are show their, their emotions yeah. and, and own it. And I think he just makes them human. And I feel it's so attractive, you know, so attractive. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> it is a long one. It's fun. <laughs> Welcome to this episode's reflection section. Todd and I touched on a lot of topics there. Um, friendships with our exes, relationship with our parents, breaking up with your 12-year-old self, breaking up with, with your child version of you, changing your patterns. Oh, and you can only realize that you have these negative patterns in relationships by recognizing that it has a lot to do with your relationship with your parents which is like mind-blowing. I'm not going to admit that I'm a psychologist or understand this fully. I I am going through it right now uh, with my abandonment issues and um, being able to trust people and trust men. I try to go opposite of 
what my instincts is trying to tell me sometimes because I know that when I when I get into dating and 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 relationships I try really hard to not listen to those um patterns that I recognize have my are my defense mechanisms and my anxiousness in new relationships I try very cautiously to change those and to be calm and to be open-minded and to change my pattern from when I was a kid and especially trust issues. I give people the benefit of the doubt and hopefully they don't break that trust. But usually if they do, there's really no going back. I have a hard time giving people second chances. And again, defense mechanism. And that stems from my relationship with my father and my experience as an 11-year-old child as he left our family for another family and another woman. So anyway, so Todd talks about his relationship with his parents. And let me be clear, just because our parents are going through some stuff on their own and trying to figure out life on their own, that does not mean that they're bad parents. <laughs> okay? Like, Todd's parents are wonderful. They are doing their best. Like majority of our parents, they are doing their best. And, but um, he really talked about his care and control with his mother, which has affected his relationships and his romantic relationships and how he always, I think, tries to fix things. You know, he, he was saying in the the beginning of our interview that he was attracted to these women who he thought was independent. But as he got into the relationship, he realizing these patterns that um, he was help, always trying to help them fix things like he he had done when he was his 12 year old self and helping his mom regulate her emotions and this care and control. So um, again, you know, this is just observations and my conversations with Todd and he's going through therapy with this right now. And and I think it's very important for everyone to kind of go to therapy and understand that, you know, what we did is in childhood and what we experienced in childhood doesn't mean that we bring it into doesn't mean that we have to bring it into our adult relationships and we have to learn to how to break those things and and change those patterns, really. It takes a lot of self-awareness and um, self-discipline to be able to look deep inside of us and to understand the roots of where these issues and our patterns and how we approach each relationship. And it takes time to change and it takes time to recognize <laughs> that you have to change or that you should change, really. Um, so... I'm not going to get deep into under, trying to understand or even explain the psychology behind it or behind our parent issues, mommy or daddy issues. I find that it's more popular to have daddy issues. And like I, when I'm talking to people I know, um, a lot of people admit of their father issues. and But nobody really admits about their mother issues and so or mommy issues, really. Um, and it, it's... It's coming out now, I, f I find. There's a lot of men that I have been seeing or have been dating and gone on a few dates with that admit that they have some mommy issues. And I, I respect that. I respect that. I respect men and people, um, uh, and Todd including, 
that they have issues. They admit that they have issues and then that they're working on it. Um, there's some several articles on Google that would help understand what mommy issues are. And I just want to read one of these articles that I found on Very Well Mind. I'll have the website um, posted on the description. And it says here, what are mommy issues? The idea of daddy issues is thrown around pretty frequently, like I said. <laughs> mommy issues can be just as prevalent. While they sometimes manifest differently in male and female children, they're no less real. Of course, this isn't an actual clinical, clinical term. However, the concepts behind mommy issues can often be explained with psychological psychological theories. This is partially because the role of mothers is still widely considered to be perhaps the most most important, especially in early childhood. Mommy issues can pop up for anyone who had a toxic, estranged, or even overly doting relationship with their mother. For me, for women, mother-daughter relationships can often veer into the, the lane of nitpicking. If a mother was unkind or consciously critiqued your appearance as a child, it can compromise a child's self-worth for years to come. What is the history of mommy issues? Just as the concept of daddy issues is more notable in male children, mommy issues are more prevalent in female children. Sigmund Freud would agree, argue that this is because the OP, o, Oedipus and Electra complexes, which he described in his psych, psychosexual stages of development. Oedipus complex, this is when male children feel as though they are competing with their father for their mother's affection and attention. Electra complex, similar to Oedipus complex, this is when female children feel as though they're competing against their mothers for attention from, them, from their fathers. That's right. The entire idea is that kids view their same-sex parents as competition. Freud theorized that this concept arises between the ages of three and five. And then it continues, it can lead to the child having issues in their romantic relationship as they grow older. Freud initially researched this is regard to male children. However, the larger concepts aren't gendered and actually led to the formation of the attachment theory. This theory came from John Balbi, Balbi? Bolbi. Bolbi. Who figured out that the attachment styles formed in early childhood can dictate the nature of a person's relationship in the future. Many times people who had issues with their mothers develop an insecure attachment style. The following are three types of insecure attachment style. Anxious, preoccupied. If you find that you are practically clinging or demanding in relationships, it can be a sign of anxious, preoccupied attachment style. It's basically the ongoing concern that your partner won't be around when you need them the most. Fearful avoidant. If you find it hard to connect and generally become more distant and detached in romantic relationships, this can be a sign of a fearful avoidant attachment style. This happens when someone is afraid of getting hurt, so they close themselves off in order to protect themselves, in order to protect against the possibility. Dismissive avoidant, if you find yourself avoiding romantic relationships altogether, this could be a sign that you have a dismissive avoidant attachment style. In this case, people typically avoid deeper relationships as a whole because they have proven too difficult to navigate in the past. I personally was more of an anxious preoccupied attachment style. And then I have also fearful avoidant tendencies as well. So now I think it's kind of a mix. <laughs> um, I'm also overly independent as well. So which is 
I was told a trauma response to things and not want to get into relationships and I self-sabotage. It's all fucked up. <laughs> we all have issues. <laughs> you know, the term mommy issues, Um, it says in this article is like, it's negative or even insulting. Um, uh, it, For men, it could be like called a mama's boy where it's basically saying that someone is too close to their mother and it can lead to like men having expectations of motherly behaviors in romantic relationships and even seeking out female partners who check certain boxes. I think with Todd and his experience is that he helped regulate his mother's emotions when she was going through the divorce. So like he said, he had this care and control kind of thing and he was relying on her uh, for emotional support as you would as a child, but also trying to fix that um, or fix her and be supportive for her. And that translated into his romantic relationships. And I see that with a lot of my male friends, to be honest. Um, men tend to try to fix things and find relationships in women who um, need fixing. Um, I think that's also a male complex thing. Again, like I'm not a psychologist <laughs> on this. I just read up on this stuff and I learn and listen to podcasts and I listen to, you know, like, yeah, and I read these books. <laughs> and so if you're really curious about this stuff and you're really curious about your relationship with your parents, uh, please read up on it. Um, do your own research, obviously. What I really like about this article is that it tells you how to overcome mommy issues. And we talked about, and Todd and I talked about in our interview, um, building emotional support networks was one of the examples. And Todd talks about his relationship with a lot of his platonic female friends, including myself. And, um, and you know, and he has these co deep conversations with them. And we're very supportive of him. And, you know, and he's supportive of me as well, dealing with my daddy issues. <laughs> Um, a second thing that they put in this article is awareness of the past. And that's a massive step is to be aware that you have these tendencies and you have these patterns um, and it, knowing and understanding that it does stem from your relationship with your parents. And that's a massive, massive step. And the last one that they say here is participation in therapy. I am a supporter of everyone should be in therapy. No one is perfect. Everybody has issues. Uh, I mean, they should see a professional to talk about it. <laughs> I grew up having this belief, this societal belief that seeing therapy was means that you're crazy. And I just, now that I'm older and how how unhealthy that rumor or that theory was it's, it's crazy it's nuts and um i don't think anyone's crazy i think everyone has issues uh and some people are afraid to deal with them and some afraid to admit them and and no one's perfect and everyone's just growing and understanding themselves and finding out what these um what our issues are and where it stems from is hard and it's it's <laughs> difficult to admit that to yourself that we have issues and so kudos to those who are who are looking to change those patterns from childhood and to Todd who is growing so much and to you know anyone who's kind of figured things out good for you guys I aspire for that and 
yeah. So, and like other episodes, I'm going to leave you guys with this. Be honest with your words, be kind with your actions, be fearless with your heart, and be brave enough to be vulnerable. Thank you for listening. Lots of love. Mm-hmm.